Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. So last week I shared uh, how I've been reading fiction. Um, for a long time, all I read was nonfiction. I thought fiction was a waste of time. And one of the books that I read a few years ago was Ready Player One. And I absolutely loved this book, and Steven Spielberg eventually turned it into a movie. It's a story set in the future in 2045. And the premise of the story is about this guy named James Halliday. And he's a genius nerd. And he creates this thing called the Oasis. And the Oasis is this expansive virtual reality universe. And people from all over the world log into the Oasis every day. They go to school on the Oasis. They hang out with friends. They go shopping. And Halliday eventually passes away, and he leaves behind his entire inheritance, including the Oasis, to whoever will win a virtual scavenger hunt. And the whole premise of the movie is about this virtual scavenger hunt. So imagine today if someone owned the Internet. If you didn't know, no one actually owns the Internet. But if someone owned the Internet, imagine how much it would be worth. And that's what this movie is all about. The Oasis is this prize to be won. And if you haven't read the book or seen the movie, I'm not going to say anything more. I don't want to give it away, so enjoy it one day. The idea of an inheritance is that something is left behind in order to bless someone else. And if you go online, you will find some crazy inheritance stories. And I'll share one of them with you this morning. Leona Helmsley was a mega-rich hotel heiress, and she was known for her tough demeanor, but she had a soft spot for her dog named Trouble. Uh, She got her dog after her her husband passed away, and that's a picture of her and her dog. And and apparently Trouble the dog went with her everywhere she went. Uh, She would go around the city in a limousine, and, and Trouble would be with her. And she spoiled this dog like crazy. She fed it crab cakes and cream cheese. Uh, so, yeah, she loved this dog. That is the point. And uh, eventually, Helmsley died, and she left part of her inheritance to her dog. Are you ready for this? I, I don't think you're ready for this. Are you ready for this? She left $12 million dollars to her dog, Trouble. Crazy, huh? Apparently, a family member was not happy with this, and it went to court, and a judge reduced it to only $2 million to the dog. Do we need any more evidence that we live in a wacky and crazy world? Uh, And God knows we live in a wacky and crazy world, and he wants to help us. And that's why we open up the Bible every week, because we believe the truth found in God's Word brings life and guidance to us. And this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 14, if you have a Bible with you. As we talked about last week, in John 12 through 14, Jesus begins to talk about his upcoming departure. And the disciples are confused. They are bewildered, because they expected Jesus to go public soon as the Messiah, as the King of Israel, to reign with political 
and military power. And instead, Jesus is talking about going away and leaving them. And the disciples are troubled by all this. And Jesus begins to reassure them that they're going to be okay. And that he's preparing a place for them. And he tells them that he is the way and the truth and the life to the Father. And now in the passage that Ben read for us this morning, Jesus talks about some of the gifts, kind of like an inheritance, that he and God the Father will leave with them even after Jesus departs. And the main message that Jesus is sharing with his disciples and us today in this passage is even though I leave, even though I'm going away, even though that you won't physically see me anymore, I'm not abandoning you. I am not abandoning you. And we're going to look at three gifts that Jesus offers his followers, including us today, reminding us that we are not abandoned by Christ whatsoever. We are not abandoned. And the first gift is the gift of Jesus' commands and his teachings. In John 14, 15, this is Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commands. In John 14, 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus tells us, keep my commands. When Jesus talks about his commands, and later in this passage he uses the word, my teaching, he's not referring to a single sermon that he gave. He's referring to the entire revelation of his life, how he lived, what he said and did, and what he taught. Back in that day, at the essence of being a disciple is a disciple would begin to embody the way of the master. And Jesus is saying, to love me is to live like me and to follow my example, my way of life, including keeping my commands. We had parent-teacher conferences about a week ago, and it's always encouraging as a parent to hear positive feedback about your kids. Our kids are not perfect, but God is doing a lot of good in them. And Becca, who's our, our youngest, her teacher expressed how wonderful she is to have in class, how kind she is, how caring she is. And the teacher cited an example that day where Becca helped out a classmate without being told, and she just took the initiative to care for one of the other students in class. She has a very kind and tender heart, very much like Yvonne. She gets it from her mother. And that morning, we didn't sit Becca down and go through a checklist of how she's supposed to behave. We didn't tell her specifically that morning to be kind. We do talk about kindness and loving others as a family. And Yvonne and I both try to model that for our kids. But as parents, we don't go through a checklist with our kids every day. But our hope and prayer is that they learn to embody what we value as a family and ultimately what God values. In a similar way, the commands of Jesus are not just a list of do's and don'ts, 
It's about a way of living with Jesus at the center and in a relationship with Him and learning to value and live out what Jesus values. As I was reflecting on all this, I felt burdened, especially for the younger people in our room. Uh, because I don't want you guys to make the same mistake that I made. See, I grew up in the church, and I thought it was all about just doing the right thing, following the rules, uh, being a good person. And I want you to know that if you think Christianity, and this is not just for the young people, this is for all of us, if you think Christianity is just about a list of do's and don'ts, going to church, not stealing, lying, cheating, on and on, you are missing the point. You are missing the whole point. And I'd rather you find out now versus later. Because Christianity at its core is about a relationship with God that can be found only through Jesus Christ. And it's out of that relationship that you learn to live rightly as God wants you to. A relationship with Jesus. Learning to love and to worship and to follow Jesus because you realize that he made you. That he knows everything about you. That only he is able to save you from yourself. and To save you from the deadness of your sin. And I didn't get this until my college Years. So please don't make the same mistake that I made for the first 18 years of my life when I missed God's heart for relationship with me. Jesus continues in verse 23 Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Jesus is connecting here obedience to loving him. And I get the sense that we don't like this word obedience too much right now. It's almost like a dirty word, and then it feels restrictive or punitive. We associate obedience with a pet. I remember when we had a dog and took our dog to obedience school. Those were fun times, not not really. But at the heart of obedience is that God knows what is best for us. God knows what's best. He's provided teaching and commands to guide us. And direct us to a life that will be full and satisfying with him. To really learn obedience to God is a very good thing. Because it puts us in the best possible opportunity to truly know him. And to truly experience him. It says here, anybody who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Obedience leads to intimacy with God. Jesus is saying, my Father and I will come and make our home with those who obey me. If you're struggling 
to connect with God, and you're struggling to experience closeness to Him, a good step would be to review and reflect on your life. And are there areas of disobedience to Him? Are there ways that you are turning your back on Him and clearly disregarding what He has asked you to be and how to live according to His Word? And to get practical with this, I know many of us have committed to reading Scripture this year, which is a great thing. I'm so glad God is leading people to get into his word. It's one of the most important practices for a Christ follower to regularly and consistently get into the word of God. Not just for getting information and truth, but to truly connect with God. And if you're not regularly getting into scripture, I want to just encourage you this week to get started. Start with the Gospel of John and just read a chapter a day. Five to ten minutes a day. Just make that commitment to get into the Word. And as we read through Scripture, I think we need to ask ourselves, how do we obey the truth of what God is saying through His Word? We need to hold the truth of Scripture like a mirror to our own lives. And invite the Holy Spirit to guide us in how to live out the truth of his word. I mean, really, how can we keep the commands and teachings of Jesus if we don't know and saturate our lives in his word? Getting into scripture is going to help us follow and love and obey Jesus. We are not abandoned. Jesus has given us his commands, his teachings. And the second gift that Jesus promises his followers is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the advocate. And the word translated advocate here technically means to call alongside, to encourage, to exhort. And it's been translated in different ways. Other versions translate it counselor or comforter. When you hear the word counselor, we're not talking about a marriage counselor or a camp counselor, but more like a legal counselor, someone who has your back, someone who will guide you and defend you, someone who will point you back to reality and truth. And again, Jesus is telling his closest friends, even though I'm going away, the Father will send another advocate. As Jesus was an advocate for them, the Holy Spirit is coming, and he will do the same. The Holy Spirit will be with you and will have your back. You will not be abandoned. At Pentecost in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came upon the early believers, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. For every believer in Jesus Christ, God has promised the Holy Spirit, to you. It will be given to you. It will be deposited in you as a seal. 
Ephesians 1 says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. And then Jesus says in John 14, 17 to 18, But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus points out they are familiar with the Holy Spirit right now. He is with you. He is in your midst, but soon he will be in you. And I love what Jesus says here in verse 18. And this has stuck with me all week. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. That's a powerful promise from Jesus. You know, it's difficult to think about those who have been orphaned in this life. Uh, Personally, I can't imagine what that would be like. It's heartbreaking. The reality of being an orphan is the pain of being abandoned. Being abandoned by the people who should be watching out for you. The people who should be caring for you. The people who should be providing for your needs. And we live in a world where people are abandoned all the time. Not just physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. People are wounded by being left alone when they should have been cared for. They should have been loved. They should have been protected. And Jesus is telling his disciples, even though he's going away, I will not leave you as orphans. The Holy Spirit is coming. And the Holy Spirit will be your advocate, your counselor, your defender. Followers of Jesus are never orphaned. They're never abandoned by him. Even if others have abandoned you, Jesus has not and will not abandon you. You need to know this truth. You need to embrace this truth. Jesus would later say to his followers in Matthew 28, and surely I am with you always. I am with you always to the very end of the age. In a world where it's normal for people to be unpresent with one another, God gives the indwelling presence of his spirit to his people forever. Forever. What a gift. What a promise from Jesus. The last thing I want to briefly point out about the Holy Spirit in this passage is the Holy Spirit brings the truth to God's people. In verse 17, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of truth. In verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is all about truth. The Holy Spirit communicates truth, and he will teach you and remind you of what Jesus has taught. I mentioned last week how often the disciples were pretty clueless about Jesus' mission, 
when he was around them. As much as the disciples didn't understand about Jesus when he was with them, after the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts, man, you read through the book of Acts, and the disciples, they finally get it. They finally get it. Their eyes were opened. The Holy Spirit did his job in teaching the disciples about who Jesus really is, what his life is all about. And they are fully on board with Jesus' mission in the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit will do that for us today. He will instruct us in the truth as we read Scripture. He will keep pointing us back to Jesus and who Jesus really is. If you're a follower of Jesus, may you have been given the Holy Spirit as a seal and deposit of what is to come. You are not orphaned. You are not abandoned. The final gift from this passage that I want to share with us this morning is the gift of Jesus' peace. The peace that Jesus gives us. Uh, from one of my favorite poets, Toby Mack. It doesn't matter who you are. This world going to leave some battle scars. It doesn't matter who you are. This world going to leave some battle scars. If you're a human being who has breath, then you will face challenges and wounds and disappointments and pain as you walk this planet. I've been blessed with a very good life, but I have my share of bruises and wounds and scars. We all do. No one is immune. Everyone has battle scars. This world can be a very harsh and unfriendly place. This world is filled with anxiety and chaos and fear. And Jesus, and he sees his disciples struggling with anxiety and fear, and he speaks into that. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Do not give in to the world's ways of anxiety and fear. Stand firm. And he promises something here that is unbelievably good. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Peace in Hebrew is shalom. And shalom means wholeness or completeness. And it has the idea of being safe, being secure. Jesus is promising to give his shalom to his followers. It isn't a promise of no pain or no suffering in this life, but it's a promise of peace that trumps everything else. And Jesus says, I do not give as the world gives. One commentator noted that the world is powerless to give peace. This world cannot give true peace. In Jesus' time, there was a saying called Pax Ramona, and meant Roman peace. And do you know how Roman peace was won and maintained? Through the sword, through conquest and destruction. And this is one example of the many ways that the world offers false peace. False peace can come through violence. It can come through money and prosperity. 
It can come through escaping through entertainment and pleasure. And Jesus is saying, my peace is different. Jesus offers real and true peace, his shalom. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. They say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and whom I trust. When I read a verse like this and I hear words like refuge and fortress, I think of Lord of the Rings. And I think of the battle at Helm's Deep in the second book of the trilogy. And King Theoden leads his people behind the deepening wall for safety and protection, and they prepare for battle against the orcs. And the deepening wall is this massive construction. It's a place of refuge and safety against the enemy. In a battle, you don't want to be exposed. You want to be behind a great wall or fortress, and you want to be high up and protected. In this life, we'll be exposed to many trials, many suffering, many pains. Yet God wants to provide his protection and his safety to us. And I believe that peace, peace is one of the strongholds that Christ gives his people in the battles of this life. God wants to give you a stronghold and a fortress a peace. He wants to give you his peace, which is a covering of protection over your mind and your heart against anything that this world and the enemy throws at you. Any anxiety and fear and despair and discouragement. When Yvonne was pregnant with our firstborn, Joshua, everything was going well in the pregnancy up until the 26th week. It seemed like a normal day, and Yvonne went to school to teach. Then she started experiencing pain, and she went to the doctor that afternoon and got checked out, and they sent her immediately to the emergency room because she was in preterm labor at 26 weeks. And in those days in that hospital room, man, we had specialist after specialist come in and explain the gravity of the situation. And if Joshua was born this week, here is the reality. And it was a scary time for us. In that hospital room, we prayed hard. We had many friends and family members who were praying with us. And I can't describe to you or explain it in words. In what should have been the most frightening time of our life, God built a fortress of peace in that hospital room. I can't explain it. He was present, and he gave both Yvonne and I amazing and incredible peace. And uh, fortunately, she was released from the hospital, and Joshua made it to 39 weeks. But God wants to give that kind of peace to us. The peace of Christ is a stronghold of protection, even in the darkest moments of this life. Jesus' peace, his real peace, is available to all believers through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. 
within us. Real peace. True shalom from Jesus Christ. Where are you at this morning? Are you feeling abandoned? Are you feeling beaten down? Are you feeling apathetic? Are you feeling comfortable? Jesus sees you, and he knows exactly where you're at. And he wants you to experience him wherever you are at. He wants to be present with you. He wants to lead you and show you his way. As I close, I just have a few questions for us before I lead us in prayer. Will you receive his commands and his teachings as good for you and begin to build your life on his ways, not your own ways? Will you remember that you are not orphaned? The Holy Spirit has been given to you if you know Christ. You are never alone. You are never abandoned. And peace, the real peace of Jesus Christ is available to you. And it's vastly superior to any of the false pieces that this world will try to sell you. This world will try to offer you. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.